Welcome to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. This week's message is Here For It, Part 2, We Are Here For God, recorded Sunday, May 23rd, 2021. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Now here's Scott with today's message. The best is yet to come. We haven't been hearing that the last year and a half from virtually anyone you know, Third City has been in existence for 54 years or something like that. And, uh, and the church was started by people who had a real vision, a vision that a Christian church could bring to our area. And since then, this church has, thank the Lord, impacted thousands of people. And you could make the mistake of seeing that and you could say, well, we've arrived at some level and I would say that would be the worst mistake we could make. We have to counteract that. We have to say, no, what we've seen to this point are people who have laid a foundation because the best is yet to come. Now, in some ways, when a church is over five decades old, you might think it's hard to believe that we're the same organization that started out in 1967. And from the standpoint of methodology, it's completely true. I mean, the very first third city started in a living room. They didn't have a preacher. Their budget was probably less than most of you spent on food in a year. Their light board was a switch on the wall. And their children's program was in the front yard. But as a mission, same church. It was love that compelled them to do what they did then. It's love that compels us today. And I would argue that it's the same mission. You go back to 0033 AD, the one that Jesus established for his, his church, the one he envisioned. And we can go there with the words of Jesus. Thank goodness his disciples kept these words for us so we can understand Jesus' vision. Matthew chapter 28, 18, and you may be familiar with this passage. This is like his marching orders for the church where he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. And if you do that, surely I will be with you always to the end of the age. Now, Jesus said this in another way in John 10.10, which is like a, a comparison to his enemy. And if it's his enemy, it's our enemy. Here's what he says. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. So his, that's the vision statement of the devil. To, to steal, kill, and destroy you. I've come that you might have life, he says, and have it more abundantly. So his enemy is our enemy, and whenever you have someone come at you with the idea that they're going to kill something in you, steal something from you, destroy something in you, you can guarantee that they're working on behalf of Jesus' enemy. But he says, no, I've got a different vision for you. It is that you will have life. Not only life, but really good, abundant, joyful life. So in other words, the best is yet to come. But again, this isn't a message we've been hearing over the last few months. So if the best is before us, I would say we need to stay on mission. And do you know what the greatest enemy of mission or vision is? It's something that's called missions drift. Harvard University has drifted. Now, you've probably heard of Harvard. It's a very successful organization. 
The mission statement of Harvard, as it was written in 1636 when it was founded, is this. To prepare ministers for upright character. Now, does Harvard prepare ministers for upright character today? I don't think so. Probably none. Now, they, they do some very successful things. But you would be hard-pressed to believe that Harvard has stayed on mission. Now, that doesn't happen all at once, by the way. It's kind of like being nibbled to death by ducks, okay? I mean, it, it's a long, it took them 400 years, I mean, or something like that. This applies to businesses, to corporations, to, to educators, to those who have the mission to educate children. It, it applies to churches, no doubt about it. And why do we need to address this? It's simple. Because there's so much at stake. There's so much at stake for Third City Grand Island. Third City Broken Bow. There's so much at stake in Donovan. And in Cairo. And Wood River and Shelton and Central City and Aurora and St. Paul and St. Laborie, and then you can expand the map from there. There's so much at stake at GIPS and the Northwest School District and the surrounding schools. There is so much at stake in the homes of the Lopez and the Smiths and the Schweitzers, and you insert your name there. We have to do everything possible to lift high the hope that Jesus has for this world. You know, there's something like 80,000 people that if you drew a circle around this location and expanded out into the surrounding counties around it, about 80,000 people that live in our area, maybe a few more. The estimates say that in the next 10 years, that'll go to about 100,000 people. Well, we need to avoid missions drift because every one of those people in that zone, we're, we're responsible for them from a spiritual perspective. Does that sound like too big of an order? It, it sounds big to me. But it's impossible if we drift. And so what we've been talking about here is being here, being here for it. If we're going to stay true to our mission, what is the it? We've got to continually ask, what do we want to be known for? Because we as a church, we believe that we, our, our vision is that by, the, by virtue of the great commission of our leader and Lord, it is to share the expansive love of God, the, God's love unlimited. And, and so we've said this, and you've heard us say this before, if you've been around for any length of time, how do we do that? We do it by having a personal worship of God, a spirit of serving people, and the, and the vision to grow ourselves to be more like Jesus every day. Worship, serve, and grow. And that's true individually. It's what we challenge you to. And it's true as a church family, what we're challenged to. Now, what are we known for? See, it's one thing to say we want to be known for something. It's another thing to be known for that something. And if you were here last week, you heard the message about how God is for us, how he came for us. We're not bragging. We're just very grateful. Romans 8 says, you know, what can separate us from God's love? If God is for us, the question is, who can stand against us? And not in pride, but humility, we say nothing and no one. Nothing in all creation will ever separate you from the love of God if you are connected to Christ Jesus our Lord. 
Now, that being said, these questions, what do we want to be known for? Here's the more important question. What are we known for? I mean, the obvious answer to question one, what do we want to be known for? We've already established that. And I talked to you about Matthew 28 earlier, and just to summarize that, it says, you know, we have been been called to the authority of God through Jesus. He has all authority. He said we are to go and make disciples of him. Disciples of him. In the name of God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we're to go and represent him to this world. And he says, don't stop. Don't stop until I come back. He says, if you have that vision and and continue to live in it, you'll always have a purpose in my kingdom. He says, I will be with you. I'll be with you. We want to be known for making the love of God and specifically of Jesus known. And so when people think about Third City, and by the way, you as a member of Third City, our hope is always that what people say, well, I don't know everything, but I know they love God, and I believe they love me, and they care about me. Now, that's important, and it's important for a variety of reasons. I think the number one reason is because the average person doesn't know God loves them. As a matter of fact, they might think God doesn't love them if they think there is a God. Now, I think that breaks God's heart, and it should break our heart too. And so, sadly, many people are more familiar with what Christians are opposed to than what we stand for. Or maybe they think we stand for things that they're opposed to. I don't know. How does that happen? How is that possible? What if for every reason, if Third City just had to close its doors tomorrow morning, like it's like we're just shutting down, I mean, God help us, that doesn't happen. What if that happened? The question is, would our communities be so devastated that they would like rise up and say, oh no, you're not shutting that place down because they are vital to our community. They are making a difference that cannot be replaced. We will all suffer if they're not here anymore. See, we need to stay on mission. We need to fight missions drift because of what Jesus himself has told us we need to be about. We need to deliver his message. And his message is one of hope and love, of salvation, that he cares about people. You know, another thing that Jesus said, and you're probably fairly familiar with this passage, it's in John 3, 16 and 17. And I know you probably know the first part of this passage, and if I'm just going to read it, you can probably say it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. I mean, we're all pretty familiar with that passage. God so loved. That means he, the, the word so means he most certainly loved the world. Now, let let me ask you something. What is it that you most certainly love in this world? Like you'd say, well, I love my family and love my kids or my parents. We we use this love so, this word love so frequently it loses its power. I say, well, I love my car. Until you don't. I love my reciprocal saw. I love Doritos and pizza. He sure talks about food a lot, doesn't he? <laughs> I love God. I mean, you know, what is it you most certainly love? 
God says we should still certainly love the world like he does. The world means the people of the world. That's what he's talking about. So much he gave. See, that's how you really know if you love, because you give. And we will give our things to things we shouldn't love. Let's all face that. But I'm so appreciative that over the last year in this horrendous pandemic, so many of you have given so much. It has really been humbling to see that, how your generosity has been so amazing. I mean, during this time, we had months where we didn't even meet, and you gave, and we, we, you, know, you sacrificed some personal freedom to serve here when we opened up. And we can debate all day long about masks and social distancing and, and vaccinations and all that. Look, we're not. We're not going to do that because that's not what we do here. What we do is we figure out how can we love each other and love this world no matter what this world plops on us. That's what we do. You say, I'll do it, whatever it is, to show God's love. Because why? He sent his most valuable asset to love us, his very son. He gave his one and only son. And if you ever had any doubt that God loves you, you can stop with that statement right there. How much did he give? How many of you would give a child to love anyone else? Like you say, they will die so they can live. How many of you? I, I, I'm, not, I'm not raising my hand, okay? Because the predominant message from God is that he loves people that much. And he has, now by the way, there are people in the world who will give up their children for nefarious um, reasons. Like they'll strap bombs to them and send them into a crowded market. Horrible. That's not love though. There's no love involved with that. That's hate. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have ever, everlasting eternal life. This is without doubt the greatest message the world can ever hear and it's the message that we're on task to share. This is the message that we have condensed into that simple phrase, love unlimited. God so loved that he gave the most precious thing that he could give. That's what love does, it's unlimited. Nothing's changed in 2,000 years. This is the vision of this church today. This is the task that we have before us. For God, now, by the way, the, the second verse here, verse 17, not as many people have memorized this, but it's crucially important. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Do you understand the difference? To condemn is to destroy and to isolate and to and to write off, and to eliminate. To save is to grab onto, to hold on to, to bring forth in life. As a matter of fact, that's what Jesus did. He said, if you reject me, you reject my father. But he also said, you don't need to do that. As a matter of fact, he said this in Matthew 16, 15 and 16. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel of all creation. And there is a condemnation aspect to this. He says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. In other words, he says, this is on you, friend. I've done everything I can to grasp onto you, to hold you, to love you into eternity. Now you have a decision to make. And those who reject God's love have made the wrong choice. 
And existence apart from God for eternity is unbearable. It's unbearable in this world, but it's abysmal for the, for the rest of your eternity. Jesus' follower Peter wrote about it in First, Second Peter, excuse me. He says, with the Lord a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. He was kind of addressing this idea back in the first century that Jesus can return any day, and then it had been years, and so other people were wondering where he is. So he wanted to make sure people understood God has his own time frame. Thank you very much. He says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but for everyone to come to forgiveness. See, God is in favor of you. He didn't come to condemn you. He came to save you. Anyone who has a different message from that, even if it's the church, it's the wrong message. Now, some people think, well, why would God care about me? I'm just one small person in the scope of the universe. Think about it this way. This is a quote from one of my favorite preachers, Drew Sherman. He says, you're not too small to be loved by God, but God's love is too big to stay just with you. I mean, too often, I think we want to just keep God in our own little box in our doors, you know, and as a church, that's called missions drift, when all we're about is what happens here, and if I don't like every little thing that's happening here, then I'm not happy with God. That is completely the wrong place to find you. Like, like that's like saying, this good news is just for me and the people I care the most about. Everyone else, you can just go to hell. I do not want to face God with that attitude. Now, I'm proud of Third City in the humble way, not a haughty one, that we've not been idle during this pandemic. I mean, you have stepped up so we didn't have to close down. I mean, in the last 16 months, what has God done because of you? It's been amazing to me to see some of this. First of all, how generous you've been because we didn't have to lay off staff. We didn't have to stop doing things that we thought would reach our community during the pandemic. Thank you for your giving. I mean, we have not cut any, we have been able to say to our missions partners all the way through this, around the world, we're here for you. We're on task. We're, we're not cutting you back. Just last week, I heard from our mission partners in Kenya about how our giving helped feed their neighborhood during the pandemic and how we got the school running finally, and now we're back on task there. We're back in operation. Last year, about this time, if you remember, we, we fed thousands of people at Fonner Park. Do you remember that? It was, it was great. Praise God. Over the last six months, 60 people have been baptized. They have said yes to Jesus and been baptized. That's being on task. That's being here for it. That's, not, that's, like, that's like saying we're not done yet. And as long as we stay focused on Jesus' definition for what he needs from us, He'll be here for us. That's what he says. You do this, I'll be there. But here's the truth, and it's found in a quote by Jeff Henderson, and all of us should take this to heart. When your memories exceed your dreams, the end is near. Hmm. I mean, if your favorite statement is now, oh, the good old days. Well, you can start counting down the days, friend. I mean, now, I do long for the good old days in some ways. I mean, I like the days when you could walk into a store and wonder, do I need to throw that mask on? Or, 
You know, I love those days when I could go into a stadium of 90,000 crazy fanatics and scream for a while. That was fun. But I'm really talking about the more important things of the good old days, like the church, for instance. Whatever you think the good old days might be. And I hope you have good memories. I have many good memories. But not at the expense of God's dreams, Your memories can never exceed God's dreams. Our dreams have to center on what God loves. And he loves to continue to see his church, his people, love people, reach people. Reaching those who have yet to learn that God loves them. And that he will love them till the end of days into eternity. And as long as there's one person who is yet to hear that in Broken Bow, in Custer County, in Hall County and the surrounding counties, and wherever God sends us in this world, in Kenya or Uganda or, or Africa, anywhere, South America, Guatemala, whatever it is, we have work to do. We have a church to continue to build in Broken Bow. We have a school to build in Kenya and a church to plant and to make sure it's thriving. And will there be another school? Will there be another church plant? I don't know. All I know is we're going to follow his vision, his dream for for our people. Our people's dream, his dream is that they know him. That's why I'm excited about the Heartland Celebration of Freedom. Because you know what? We are saying to this area, this June, we're here for you. And we're going to do what we always do. We're going to have a lot of fun, but we're going to serve people because that's what we do. And we're going to bring a message of hope and love. You know, last week, if if you remember, I talked about WWJD, and you know that, some of you, is what would Jesus do? And other people might use that to say, who would Jesus judge or destroy, I guess is the moniker. A friend of mine challenged me with that. He said, you know, you didn't talk about sin and what happens if people reject Jesus. And I said, hey man, I talk about that quite a bit here, and I'm against it, by the way. I'm against sin. Uh, So much should we be against sin that God put his son Jesus on a cross to defeat it. And all of us should be against it. But the message of the church should predominantly be that God loves you that much. And we need to be up to it. Let me ask you something. Can you name one industry or company that was founded less than 50 years ago or 100 years ago even that's doing things the exact same way they did back then and they're still in business? Like somebody reminded me just a few minutes ago, what about Sears and JCPenney? I mean, they had every opportunity, those two companies, to, to continue to blow the market away if they just would have transitioned to online purchasing. But they didn't do it. They, they stuck with their model of box stores too long, and now they're in danger of being obliterated. And unless they make that transition, they're not going to be relevant any longer. How about Blockbuster Video? Any of you been to one of those lately? They had 9,000 stores at one time. Borders, remember them? They, book, they sold books and music. They wouldn't transition to online. Look, I'm not saying the church is going online. As a matter of fact, I believe the church is coming home in person. That's where the church is coming. But, but for a while, we had to do that to survive and to get the message. And it's helped. 
because many of you were able to stay connected until you come back. Frankly, churches that have held fast to mission but have refused to change methods, though, they're on the closed-down trajectory. It is up to us to continue to find innovative ways to share this beautiful message of Jesus that, that Jesus has come to save them and to save us from destruction. We got to find ways to say yes to people who are saying no to the church. We got to make space for the guy who's now sitting on the couch wondering how he's going to survive this world. Or the student in that school who just has no hope because all they get is what, what the world offers them. They don't even know there is a Jesus. We got to talk to those people who are getting lied to about Christianity and what we really are about. We need to show them the love of a God who is for them. That's why we exist. And how do we do that? Let me give you three quick ideas. Think about this. First of all, we do it by creating common ground. By caring about the same things that people care about and doing it where they exist. Like, for instance, some of you are going to Little League baseball games for the next two months. Or some kind of baseball games. Now, that's common ground. Like, you're there with other people who love their kids enough to go sit through baseball games or whatever. Maybe you just like them. What you do there matters. So that, that, that teenage umpire, he's not your enemy. And when everyone else is wanting to shout at him like, you're, like, like, you know, like he's wearing the devil's costume, you got to step and say, oh, what a great kid that he would volunteer. And you got to be that positive person and build common ground of love in those situations. I'm just giving that as an example. Create common ground. Because we care about the same things that people in our community care about. We care about our kids. We care about education and how that's done. We care about, about how, how politics addresses our world and how we should be a positive part of that. Create conversations. Not shouting people down, but rather having conversations. And let them open the door. And then create connections. Let people know how to find the hope that you have. And when they do, then you bring them with you. You bring them to your small group. You bring them to the HCF. You bring them to, uh, to your kids' program that happens after there's a camp. You, because despite what we're being told, people are more interested in knowing who God is than ever before. And there is no better pathway to God than a church that loves people without limit. And that has not changed, nor it will. So, Lord, when we communion with you today, what we are doing is we are stepping up and acknowledging the tremendous love that it took for you to give us the most precious part of you you could possibly give, and that is your son Jesus as our sacrifice on the cross. And, Lord, you succeeded. You defeated the enemy, and he probably had no idea what was going to hit him when Jesus was raised from the dead to give us the hope ourselves that this life won't kill us. This life brings us to you for eternity. And as a church, we fellowship at this table, this table of love, to remember that you love us and to say we're going to be people who love others without question.
And whatever it is that's created animosity or frustration with the people who are in this room or in the church in general, we say we set that aside for a bigger purpose. Lord, we love you and we're going to love for you. And we make that promise as we take this bread and this cup. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, really, what you sang, if, if it came from here, you know, what you're just saying is, by saying, singing, I am yours, you know, wherever you lead me, I'm here for it. I, I, I'm lost without you, Jesus. And if I'm with you, I'm in the right place. And look, that, that's a life, you know, and, and life is lived in ups and downs, and there's challenges that come our way all the time. But why would we do this? Why, why would we be on this kind of a trajectory as a church and as an individual where we say, God, where you lead me, where I'm going I'm to go. I'm yours. I'm all yours. It's because he is our Lord, our Savior, and our King, our liege, you know. The good news has always been bigger than we currently believe it to be. And I will tell you, I don't care what the last year has brought this world with a pandemic or anything else. The good news is bigger. Do not forget that. We need to do everything in our power to make sure this world knows Jesus. I believe that in Grand Island, there are more people who are thinking about God than ever before. There were all kinds of predictions last summer started to be made about the church, how COVID will destroy the church. People won't come back. But what we're finding out is just the opposite. The church is still God's field of dreams and people need God. The church is the future of humanity because Jesus is the leader of the church. And the future is now, and it has never been more so. And if anyone's telling you that the church has seen its days, now I'm not saying the church will need, will need to change. Look, the church is always in transition, methodology-wise. But the vision, it'll never change until Jesus comes back. And I will tell you this, people who have turned their backs on God are starting to turn to God. And people who are afraid are looking for a solution. Jesus does not want us to make it more difficult for them. We need to make everything possible. I want to give you two challenges, very simple. Number one, be indispensable to your neighbors. Be indispensable to them. So that whatever reason you have to move somewhere else, they legitimately say, that's the best neighbor I ever had. And here's the second thing. Fight for those who you love. Fight for them. Because there's a lot of people who can get lost if we won't fight for them. That's why we're here. And God willing, we'll be here for another 53 years to do that. 
Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10, 15, or 11.30 a.m. in Grand Island and at 10, 15 a.m. in Broken Bow on Facebook Live and at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send email to podcast at thirdcityc.org, call us at 308-384-5038, or visit us online at thirdcityc.org.